Father, thank you for Matt. Thank you for the opportunity we have to um, spend together here. And I pray that you would you would make us attentive. You would make us open to what you have to say to each one of us. And uh, I pray that you would guide guide Matt in that. And uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Take it away, bro. All right. Everybody uh, doing okay after losing your hour last night? <laughs> it, for me, it, it actually felt like I gained an hour because I was, I'm on central time. So I gained two hours and then I just gained one. So it all worked out for me. Uh, tonight I want to talk about adulting, building the life you actually like. Because you guys are at a, at a critical, formative time in your lives right now that you have your whole lives ahead of you. And uh, I would like for you to look back on this time and say, wow, I actually like my life. Instead of, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now looking back saying, man, I hate my life. So that's, that's what I want to look at uh, today. Uh, just as we get started, how many of you are under 18? Anybody? Okay, that's okay. Anybody who's 18 years old? 18, 19, okay, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, anybody over 25, all right, I'm going to turn 40 this year, so I got, I got the gray hair here in my beard to prove it and the no hair up, hair up here. So what I want to do tonight, uh, my, my, my goal, my big picture is I want to give you some perspective on life. I want to give you some perspective on some things that uh, relate to your future. So know right now, hopefully you'll find some things that will be applicable for just right now. But, but really, this is not about today. This is about your future, and this is about preparing your future. And I didn't have this when, when I was sitting in the seat that you're right now. I, so I've experienced this, I've lived this, I have scars and lumps uh, that are associated with some of the lessons and things that, that, that involved in this. But really what I do, I want, I want to give you some perspective about what's to come. Uh, but I also want to tell you there's no magic key. There's not like the one perfect thing that you can do and you're going to have the perfect life. That, that's just not reality. That's not real. Uh, so I want to look at, you know, what does God expect from me? What, what can my future look like? What does he want? And we, we really want to approach life from a biblical angle. So we're going to take a look at the big picture of adulting, building the life you actually like. I thought this was kind of fun. I looked up, you know, just adulting. What are we talking about? It's a noun, the practice of behaving in a way characteristic of a responsible adult. <laughs> so especially the accomplishment of the mundane but necessary tasks. Okay, let me tell you, I do all kinds of mundane but necessary tasks, yeah. right? Changing a diaper is a mundane but extremely necessary task, all right? So that's what we're talking about here with adulting. I want to give you just kind of a quick, uh, a quick story about me. I, I, I think I've been to Chico, I've been coming for like four years now, so some of you know me really well, some of you might be like, who's this guy, Paul? knows them, so we'll, we'll come listen. But just want to share briefly my story. If you've heard it before, you can fill in any details that I miss. But uh, for, for the rest of it, I just want you guys to get a feel for who I am and kind of what my background is. Uh, I grew up in Southern California in Yorba Linda. Uh, it's it's uh, in Orange County, um, off the, the 90, between the 91 freeway and the 57 freeway and Imperial Highway, if anybody's been down there. That's where Yorba Linda is. I uh, grew up in a Christian family. I became a follower of Christ when I was five years old. I'm the oldest of three. I have a younger brother and then a younger sister. And um, I met my wife in college. Um, there's a picture of us. We went to Biola University. We both uh, started out as communication majors. And then for our own reasons, we changed to business majors. And we both got a degree in marketing. So um, that was our picture from our graduation. We uh, graduated back in May 2001. And uh, in fact, actually just this last year, last year I, was my 20th high school reunion. I didn't go because it was right around the time my son was being born. But so I, I, I reached the 20 year reunion marker. So 
Uh, so we got we got engaged in September of 2001. We got married in January of 2002. So we've been married for over 16 years now, if, I, if my math is right. Shortly after we uh, got married, we moved to Fort Worth, Texas, and became a part of Hope Church. I started my business career. I worked in business for about four years. I did sales, sales management. I helped start a marketing firm under a guy who's an entrepreneur. And uh, we did that for a couple of years. And about the time that that was winding down, uh, and it, we, we realized it wasn't going to go the way that we wanted to. Um, that was the time I was really doing some, some praying, some searching, and, and uh, God to direct me into ministry. There's more to that story, but that was the time in uh, about the fall of 2005. And then formally, I entered vocational ministry in February of 2006. So last month was 12 years that I've now been in vocational ministry. Uh, I... Uh, I've done all kinds of things in ministry. I, I've never done worship ministry. I can't sing. Um, I've not done kids ministry, but I, I volunteered in student ministry and through two different experiences in churches, God made it very clear to me that I, I really super appreciate those that work with junior high and high school students, but that's not what he called me to do. Sometimes you learn through the process of elimination. Uh, since about 2010, I've been the executive pastor at Hope Church in Fort Worth, and um, I, I really have a, a really enjoy what I do. And, and part of uh, what I get to do is I, I, I lead the staff. I work on a lot of our planning and strategy. I work with leadership development. We have some different training programs at Hope, and I'm over all of the training programs one way or another. I, my wife and I directly lead a training program for people who are called into vocational ministry called the Antioch Project. Uh, also, I'm the director of advancement for the 17-6 network. That's the network of, of churches, of those that uh, are really trying to build value-shaping ministries. And uh, Chico Community Church is part of that network. And um, so part of what I get to do is I get to travel around like this and, and uh, talk to the students about their future. So I'm really excited to be here. Uh, one other thing about me, um, I've got a, we got a picture. Uh, here's my wife and I. This was a number of years ago. Uh, depending on the season of the year and, and what you see me, I may be more or less bearded. I've had some <laughs> more... Uh, uh, well, I was down in Southern California before I came up here, and uh, we had uh, a meeting and lunch with the seminary president, and I've had a few other things recently that I needed to look a little more professional. So beard the shorter the beard the more professional uh, that you that you look uh, I was once told wear the beard don't let the beard wear you so uh, this uh, this is a picture of my family uh, picture of my family uh, that's Kenzie uh, she's a little over two now and Kai uh, he's seven months this was taken back in the fall we did our fall picture for the Christmas card that we had uh, this is Kenzie just a couple weeks ago we had a daddy-daughter dance and uh, so I took her to the daddy-daughter dance, and she's super excited for that. Here's a picture a couple of weeks ago of Kai. He's got dimples and a great smile. And then I just took this picture um, just a couple of days before I left um, them playing. There's, it's so fun to watch them play. And one of the things that's especially special about this for me, uh, we didn't know if we were going to have kids. We, our plan was to wait about five years and then start a family. Five years came and went. And then 10 years came, and um, we weren't able to start a family. And through some testing at the doctors, the doctor said, um, we got good news and bad news. The good news is there's nothing wrong with you. The bad news is you're in a category, a very small percentage of unexplained infertility. And what we walked away from that meeting with was realizing what God spoke to my wife and I both was, is he said, the only reason you don't have kids is because I haven't said it's time. And he didn't, he didn't say he was going to give us kids, but he said we don't have them because it wasn't time. So we decided without kids to go uh, 100%, go all into ministry, got to do all kinds of amazing things, traveled all over the world on different mission experiences, got to really team together. And then uh, a couple years ago now, we found out we were pregnant, and uh, it's been really exciting to be in this new phase, except we're old parents, okay? <laughs> and uh, we, we realized we were old parents, well, we knew we were old parents, period, but as our daughter was, was learning to walk, uh, she, she was standing up and we realized she, she went 
uh, every time. <laughs> I looked at my wife and I was like, did you just hear that? And so we were watching and sure enough, like she thought that's what you do when you get up. <laughs> Regardless of how much it hurts, we can't grunt when we get up from the floor. And then she stopped it, so, so everything was good. But that's just a little bit about me. Um, I want to talk again, I want to talk about adulting tonight, looking at some, some long range, some perspective. So as we look at building the life that we actually like, one of the things we need to realize, and I'm, I'm going to be Captain Obvious here, okay, but that is that we experience trouble in this world. Anybody here ever experienced trouble? Anybody experienced trouble in the last 24 hours? <laughs> so trouble is part of this world. In fact, uh, a couple of verses quickly in Job, yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. Anybody seen a campfire? The sparks just go up. That's what they do. We are born to trouble. That's, that's the, what we, where we find ourselves. But then in Romans, we, we see that God works for the good of those who love Him. We've been called according to His purpose. And then really encouraging story is the story of Joseph. Uh, he tells his brothers at the end of uh, Genesis, the last chapter, he says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, saving of many lives. So we, we, we live in this, we live with trouble. And one of the things that we find as we look at the Bible, as we look at our own lives, is that trouble is the, uh, it's, it's the context for life, but, and I'm really glad there's a but, but it's not the total content of our lives. So we just, we have this context that we live in with trouble. And, and as, as, as we encounter the trouble, as, as we try to figure out how to, how to move forward, how to please God in it, we, ha we have a stewardship. We've got to handle the stewardship that we've been given, and we've all been given different stewardships. We've got to handle it faithfully. And basically, just this major, major life lesson as, as we get started here is that life is God's training program for me. You want to be in a training program? Guess what? You're already in one. This, this life, this training program that we have, uh, it, it's a required course. It's something that we are all born into. It's not an elective. You say, I don't want to do that one. That sounds like it's going to be too hard. I'll take it next semester or never. No. You're alive. You're in God's training program for you. And as, as we face challenges, as we face opportunities, these are things that God's going to use to grow us, to change us. And, and one of the things I've found, you've probably found this, is a, a face a challenge. And then I get through it, and I learn some things, hopefully. There's probably more I could have learned, but hopefully I learned a few things. And then guess what? The next one is more difficult, right? And I use everything that I learned previously. So then you start to recognize the pattern, and it doesn't get easier, but, but, but as, our, as our challenges get more challenging, we can pull on the resources and the things that we've learned, and our, our capacity grows, our faith grows, where we're able to handle more. And you look back and you say, you know, the things that like really stress you out right now, can you imagine trying to walk through those when you were eight years old? No, you probably couldn't do that. Now, you want to get real serious here. You don't want to know the problems you're going to have when you're 40. Okay? But you're not there yet. So, so don't worry about it. But right now, you're in your training program that God has for you, whatever that looks like. And the reality is becoming a follower of Jesus Christ doesn't take away all of our problems. It would be nice if it did, but it doesn't. Like Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, right? So trouble is, again, it's the, it's the context that we live in. Uh, but being a follower of Christ gives us the resources that we need to be able to deal with the problems and the trouble as they come. I've walked through a, a lot of difficulties in my life. I mentioned the, the, the time period of wanting children, not being able to have them. Uh, growing up as a kid, uh, I, I had some major surgeries. I got ran over by a boat when I was 14. I almost died. So I know what trouble is like. And, and uh, it, God has used those to help me become who I am today. So, so trouble is the context of life that we're in. A couple of verses I want to quickly look at with you here. Uh, you've probably seen these before. James 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers, is your life full of difficulties and temptations? Yes. Then what are we supposed to do? Then be happy. Be happy, for when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow, so let it grow. And don't try to squirm out of your problems. When your patience is finally in full bloom, then you'll be ready for anything, strong in character, full and complete. So when we come up with troubles and temptations, we should be happy. And then Paul takes it even further. Take, Paul takes it to the ancient now. He says, more than that, we rejoice. Woo First we're happy, now we rejoice in our suffering because knowing that our suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. 
So, so that we're in this, this context of trouble and we walk through hard things. We're not alone. We've got Christ. We've got his strength. We've got his resources. And he's actually using this to grow us, to teach us, to train us so that we can become the person that he wants us to become so that we can do the things that he wants us to do. So, so we're in this, this context of this training program. So, therefore, as I move forward, I must learn to be intentional. You're at, a, you're at a phase in your life right now, I don't know how intentional you've been, but as you transition into adult, you have to be intentional. Because things just don't happen. They happen intentionally. You intentionally do something, and then it happens. Intentional is said, the definition is done on purpose. Deliberate. So we, we've got to be intentional. And as we think about building this life that you actually want, that you actually are going to like, I want to give you just a brief, brief glimpse into the future, what's ahead of you. And you've got a chart there. And uh, so we're going to look at three de different decades very quickly. I'm going to fill in the, the blanks for you. And, and uh, this is taken from uh, Harold Bullock's Wisdom Conference he did in the fall. How many of you, I know several of you were there. How many of you are here? Okay, great. So many of you were there. You got to hear the full version of it. Actually, we looked at basically the whole spectrum of life. That's what the conference was, was covering. Um, we're just going to look at these three decades right here, the ones that are most relevant. You guys don't need to worry about your 50s at all. I mean, you're really far from there, and you'd be too overwhelmed if we tried to talk about that tonight. So you're 20 to 29. That's where most of you are. A couple of you aren't there yet, and that's fine. So you're going to be ahead of the game because you're hearing this now. So the theme for your 20s is training. You want to use this time in your life to train, to train well for the future, for the things that are ahead of you in life. Next is 30 to 39. This, the theme here is building. This is the time when you're really going to build in life. You're going to build your family. You're going to build your career. You're, you're going to build your ministry, whatever that looks like. Now, you started in your 20s when you're training, but, but there are things that I've done, I've done in my 20s that, or in my 30s that in my 20s I'd be like, well, I wish I could do that. Or, and then I got to my 30s and I was doing it. And I, and I was preparing for it in my 20s, but then I was actually really doing it in my 30s. And then I was able to do it well because I trained when I was in my 20s. And then the last decade, again, this is a long ways out, but it's stretching and enduring. That's the decade that I'm going to transition into. And, and the, these are the, these decades aren't exactly perfect. Sometimes you start one early or you stay in one longer. And I think for me, I think since I was probably about 37 is really when I entered this. I'm hoping maybe I can exit it by the time I'm 47 and it doesn't go to like 52 and give me, you know, like a longer time period. But this is just roughly uh, a glimpse into the future that's ahead of you. So one of the things that's really important, Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. You want to have wisdom in the future. You would like your life to be as easy as it can be. Life's not going to be easy, but there's a whole lot of hurt we bring on ourselves because we don't have wisdom, because we just made dumb decisions. And I'm speaking from experience of having made a lot of dumb decisions and I can, that I can see from this, this is where I'm standing right now. So most of you, you're in your 20s, you're in that decade of training right now. Another way to think about this decade is, is you could think of this as the time that you're laying the foundation of your lives. Whether you're going to build a house, whether you're going to build, build a building, whatever it is, you're laying the foundation. And one of the things with foundations is, is they're so important for the structure that you're going to be able to build later. If you just want to build a one-story shack, it, you know, you don't really need that big of a foundation. You can put most stuff on that. But if you want to build a 10-story building or a 20-story building, or you want to build one of those super skyscrapers, you need a deep, solid, strong foundation. So I want to show you a couple of buildings here. This is currently the world's tallest building. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it. It's in Dubai, okay? I can say Dubai. Now, this building is 2,716 feet tall. It's 160 three stories tall. I mean, look, look at this picture right here. I mean, it's like it's poking up out of the clouds. That's how tall it is, okay? Currently the world's tallest building. And, and like all records, records are made to be broken, right? So in construction, 
and, and by one estimate, it should have been done by now, but it's a little bit behind on schedule. This is the soon-to-be world's tallest tower in Saudi Arabia. It's going to be 3,280 feet tall. That's over half a mile tall. 167 floors. Now, one thing that's kind of funny is, you know, they, they make these peaks really tall, so like they get extra height out of it, but you don't like actually have a, a floor up there. But uh, I mean, that's, can you imagine that? Over a half mile tall. Now again, the interesting thing about this, when I, when I was doing some research just on foundation building, they actually wanted this building to be a mile tall. That, that was their goal. But what they found was geologically, the ground in Saudi Arabia where they were building this building could not sustain a structure a mile tall. So they had to settle for, you know, 0.62 of a mile. So this tells you the foundation is very important. They could have tried to build the, the mile high building, but the foundation that they were able to build, it wasn't going to be able to sustain a mile high. So they settled for this. So foundations are very, very important. Another, uh, another picture I have for you, this is, this is the AT&T Stadium, a.k.a. Jerry's World. This is in Arlington, Texas, right next door to where uh, I live in Fort Worth. And uh, I've, been, I've not been to a game here, but I have been to a couple of stadium tours. One, the self-guided, and the other, I, I, my parents were in town. My dad's a big Cowboys fan from the, the old years of Cowboys. And I thought it'd be fun to take him. So this is he and I were down on the field, and we took him. Like it was actually a pretty amazing tour for not that much money. It was like two and a half hours. I mean, they just took you all over the place. And one of the things that really caught my attention, I sort of, I locked it down in my memory. So I want to remember this because I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably be able to use this someday in a talk. And here we are. <laughs> is they said they took us. We were standing like up here inside on these this like catwalk thing. And, and they said, you see where the arches appear to terminate into the ground? That word appear, appear to terminate into the ground. Well, I went and they said that they're actually anchored really deep down. So I, yeah, I did a little, you can find anything on the internet, okay? So here's a drawing of uh, just kind of a structural drawing. I want to zoom in right here. These, these slurry boxes that they call them, they're 18 feet wide. They are 176 feet long and they are 71 feet deep. So there's four of those on each side. And that's what's required to support the massive arches and the massive structure of this stadium. I mean, this stadium, uh, it was completed in 2009. It was $1.2 billion. Okay, this is a massive, massive stadium. Anybody ever been there inside? Okay, if you ever get a chance to go inside, go inside. You can take the self-guided tour. It's pretty cheap. It's worth it. Right? They even they let you. Okay, we went. Uh, Gary and Tim were there with us this one time. We did a network event before a conference on the self-guided tour. I mean, they basically like you can go down on the field and you can go into the locker rooms, and they don't monitor how long you're down there on the field. I mean, we were down there like little kids playing on the field, attempting to kick field goals. It's a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> I'm glad there was no video of me kicking a field goal because it was pathetic. Uh, but anyway, so it's, it, it's an amazing structure. But what I want you to get from this is that the foundation of the structure determines what can be built. So as you think about building your lives, as you think about building for the future, you want to think about the foundation, and that's the decade that you're in right now. In your 20s, this is the time of training. This is the time of building your foundation. Now, when I talk to people in their 30s and in their 40s, guess what? You can go back and play catch-up and build some foundational things, but you guys are in your 20s right now. So learn what you need to learn right now. Learn what God has for you so you can build that foundation. You can be way ahead of guys who are my age that are just now trying to figure out how to do some of the things that I'm going to share with you right now. So what I want to look at with you is uh, six key areas of trading for your 20s. The first one is your personal walk with God. This is... This is the most important one. That's why this one is number one. Ecclesiastes 2.26 says, To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. Who here would like to have wisdom, happiness, and knowledge? Okay, good. So what do you do? To the man who pleases him. So how do you know what pleases God? Well, you get to know God. You get in his word, and you find out. So your walk with God is number one. In fact, this is out of your, out of your walk with God. 
is your whole life's going to flow, your leadership's going to flow, the opportunities that you have are going to flow. It's all going to come out of your walk with God. How many here, uh, you, you guys are trying to have a quiet time? Okay? What, what's the purpose of a quiet time? To get closer to God. That's right. To connect with God. So one of the things, I've, I've had multiple conversations with guys over the years. They get, they get out of college, and then they're working their job. They start having kids. And, and I say, you know, we talk about life. They're like, I'm really struggling with my quiet time. I'm like, well, tell me about it. And you find out, well, you know, I was up late, or I got in the middle of the night with the kids. And their concept of a quiet time is that you, they learned how to do it in a great discipling ministry. And then there was a method, you know, like I sit, I sit in this chair and I, and I, and I have a, a certain journal that I use and I read for so many minutes and then I pray for so many minutes and I journal for so many minutes. And, and if I can't do that in the morning before I go to work, I get a loss for the day. And then, you know, you get a loss on that quiet time and then, you know, it's a lot easier to get a loss the next day and the next day. So I asked this guy, and he's a smart guy. I said, do you think God would mind if you connected with him at some other point in the day? I mean, he sat there for a few minutes and he's like, no. I said, so could you do your quiet time at lunch? Okay. Could you do your quiet time when you get home that evening? Yeah? Okay, so what does the quiet time look like? So the, the point is, is the quiet time, really, if you, if you break it down, it's to connect with God. And, and for me, there's times where, you know, I love to be able to spend 30 minutes or more and really get to read and meditate and pray and, and journal and write. But you know what? Having two kids, sometimes all I get is a couple of verses and praying while I'm in the car, driving to work. I don't think God's up in heaven saying, oh, Matt didn't have a real quiet time today. <laughs> so, so the point is, 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 is spend as much time with God as you can, but don't get locked into something right now. The, the per point and purpose of it is to connect with God. That's going to look different at different seasons in your life, but the number one thing is make it a priority. Make it a priority to connect with Him each and every day. Second one. Number two is humility and teachability. Humility and teachability. Humility is having a correct estimation of yourself. It's understanding our proper place in the universe and taking it. Correct understanding of yourself. Taking your proper place in the universe. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. That's, that's humility. Basic biblical definition of humility is voluntarily taking a position of lower importance and lesser privilege before God and man and then deferring to others. Because we just defer to others. We take a position of humility. Uh, Psalm uh, 25.9 says, He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. Proverbs 22.4 says, Humility and the fear of the Lord brings wealth, honor, and life. Again, if you want wealth, honor, and life, you want to be humble. It's not, it's not a guarantee that, oh, okay, you've been humble for five minutes, now buckets of money are going to drop down on you. But this is the path. This is the path to pleasing God. So, you actually, you want to be humble because humility sets the stage for being teachable. If there's a chance that I really don't know everything, that I might be able to learn something, right? But if I just walk around like, oh, I know everything, I know it, I know it, then I'm going to miss a whole lot. So, humility sets the stage for being teachable. Teachable is being capable of being taught. There's a, there's a willingness side and then there's an ability side. Okay, each and every one of you, you're in the university, so you're capable of learning. You're capable of being teachable. The question is, will you be teachable? Somebody doesn't do something, the question is, are you unwilling or are you unable? You guys are all able to learn because you're here. So now it'll be a question of willing. Are you willing to learn the things that you need to learn, the things that God has for you. A couple of, uh, couple of quotes that have been kind of meaningful to me over the years as I thought about this topic. Uh, one, John Wooden, he says, it's what you learn after you know everything, know it all that counts. After you know it all. Why well, do you know all of it? Okay, are you going to still learn more? Then that's what counts. And then uh, I was at a, a seminar uh, a couple of years ago. This lady... Uh, she was an adventure racer. These are the kind of people that they like race 72 hours in the Amazon jungle and they do biking and canoeing and climbing and running and all kinds of crazy things. And she wrote this book 
uh, how winning works, eight essential leadership lessons, and one of the and so I heard her speak, and one of the things that really caught my my uh, attention in her in her speech, and it's in the book, was this: is that uh, it's necessarily what you know, but makes you the greatest teammate, but what you're willing to learn. Okay, this willing to learn here is the most important part. So you join a team, what are you willing to learn? How are you willing to contribute? Hey, there's something we gotta do. We need somebody to figure this out. Are you willing to learn that? Or are you like, well, I already know how to do it, but you really don't, and then you're gonna mess things up for people. Another one here, uh, the teachable spirit's a teachable spirit regardless of the teacher. You know, we all have people that we would rather not have to learn from. You know, maybe they're a jerk. Maybe they're arrogant. Maybe we think we're better than them. But if you've got a teachable spirit, you've got a teachable spirit regardless of the teacher. And then real teachability doesn't limit who we learn from. Real teachability says I'll learn anything, anytime, anywhere from anyone. Now, you probably shouldn't get financial advice from the guy living in the park who's not had a job for years and you know isn't managing his finances well. But you know what? I mean, he might be able to teach you something. He probably teach you how to light a fire with not very many resources. Okay, so being willing to learn something from anyone, you just you want to use some discrimination on who you learn what from. If you're going to learn how to walk with God, choose people that you can see. Like, wow, they're really walking with God. You want to you want to get parenting advice? You don't go to the people that you're like their kids are a mess, or they've got adult kids who are a mess. It's like wow. Your kids, like, you know, they're not perfect, but, like, wow, they're, 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 they love Jesus. They're learning. How did you do it? So be, but be willing to learn anything from anyone. Third key is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is a key doorway into the future. If you're faithful, opportunities will come to you. If you're not faithful, there will be opportunities that won't come to you. And one of, the, one of the hard things for us is, is as we're young, we, we've got a lot of zeal. We, we want to make a big impact. We want to just go out there and get it, and whatever, whatever the field or industry is. And as you guys graduate and you move on into a variety of different careers, you're young and you're like, I want to do it. I want to do it all. I want to take on leadership. Problem is, is you don't have a whole lot of experience yet. And you'll be given some of the more menial tasks. You know, new guy syndrome, right? There are people who are just, the, the newest guy is waiting for the next new guy to come. <laughs> because that, that low-level grunt stuff that, that, that they gave him, guess what? Somebody else gets to do it when there's a new guy. So, so that you, but what, it, you, what you do is, is as you're faithful in little, then you'll be given more. Luke 16.10, the one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in very much. As you have a track record of being faithful. If it's like, you know, hey... We need these chairs picked up. And as soon as the meeting's over, it's this menial task of picking up the chairs, but the chairs are picked up in an orderly manner and they're done every time and you don't have to think about it. That's a guy I want to give another task to that has more responsibility. He's going to work his way up the ladder and then he may be the president of the company one day, right? But it started by being faithful in the little things. Number four, develop the mindset of a lifelong learner. I'll be honest with you guys, I, I really like, I don't like school. I love learning, but I don't like school. I, I, I'm in the process, I've done all the work, I've got one more step, an interview that I have to do before earning my graduate degree. I really didn't want to do it, but it was the next step I needed to take. And I, you know, sometimes you're afraid of those things God's going to ask you to do later, so now I'm afraid he's going to ask me to do more school. <laughs> I'm not going to do it unless he says to, because I don't want to do school. I love learning, though. But So you need to have a pattern of lifelong learning. And there's some areas that you, that you need to, to learn in. Uh, the thing that's encouraging for me is uh, Luke 2.52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus was God, but Jesus was also fully man. So as Jesus was growing, Jesus was learning. So, so we can learn. We, we, we talk about being Christ-like. Let's be like Christ. Let's increase in our wisdom and our stature and our favor with God and a man. We want to be lifelong learners. A wise person sees life from God's angle. And they pick the path of success based on what's going to move them towards God's angle on life, not just what they think they can get away with in any moment. You want to learn how to read people. You want to read how to learn how to read situations and act accordingly. 
There's three broad realms of learning that you need to always be learning in. God, life, and people. God, who is he? What's his nature? What's his character? How does he work in this world? What are his ways? What are his goals? This is a, a, a broad spectrum that you need to keep learning about God your entire life. And part of that's going to happen through your quiet time. You're going to learn about him, and, and there's going to be things you want to learn about him, but you're also going to be getting to know him as a person. You're going to be getting to know him personally. On people, you want to figure out how, how people tick. You want to learn things about people. You've probably figured this out by now, but there are some people that you probably want to stay away from. <laughs> well, how did you learn that? There's probably more people you want to stay away from. You want to love everybody. You want to share the gospel when you can. But there's some people that you would do well to stay away from. And, and you want to understand how people work, how people take. And then life, what's realistic and unrealistic? As you guys move on in, in life and you begin setting goals for yourself and you are on your own, you want to know, like, am I being realistic with this? Or is that unrealistic? Uh, maybe another one is, what does God expect from me? He tells us a lot of that in the Bible. You don't know. You need to figure it out. And then just how does life generally work? There's patterns to life. There's patterns to the way things that, that God has wired things. Uh, leaders who stop growing will eventually stop leading. So if you want to be a leader especially, you need to keep learning over your life. And, and, you know, you kind of think the simplest form, the definition of a leader is the fact that they are ahead of people, right? So if you want to keep a distance and ahead of, you, you've got to keep learning. You've got to keep growing, changing through different seasons, but you've got to keep learning. Next uh, key is life management skills. Life management skills. You need to learn how to wisely navigate and manage life from different areas. And you want to be able to see them from God's angle. Take a look at this verse here. Colossians 1, 9-10. It says, We're asking God that you might see things as if it were from His point of view. Of being given spiritual insight and understanding. We also pray that your outward lives, which men see, may bring credit to your Master's name. And that you may bring joy to His heart by bearing genuine Christian fruit and that your knowledge of God may grow deeper yet. So we want, to, we want to, to grow in our life management skills, and we want to be able to see things from God's point of view again. Like we can see from our point of view, from our perspective, but we want to learn to see things from God's point of view. Uh, there's a quote. Time management's one of those. You'll never find time for anything. You must make it. You see people in life who get a whole lot of things done, and you're like, man, I don't know how they make time, how they get that done. Well, you know what this is? Hours in a week. I have 168 hours in my week. You have 168 hours in your week. Bill Gates has 168 hours in his week. Anybody who you see who is really productive and getting a lot done, they've got 168 hours in their week. Anybody you see who gets nothing done and just is lazy and sits there and watches TV or whatever, they have 168 hours in their week. So, in the Bible, tells us in Psalms, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. A lot of things we may want to do, we had a lot of options, there's free time in life, but then there's things we need to do. Then uh, Psalm 90.10 says, 70 years are given to us, and some may even live to see 80. So we got about, about a life expectancy of 70 to 80 years. You know what this number is? Days till Matt turns 40. <laughs> That's not very many. What about this one? Days till I'm 80. So I'm almost halfway through if I get 80 years. I'm almost halfway through. So we want to, we want to number our, our days. In fact, in, in that, that hour that I mentioned, is 168 hours in a week. Okay, let's say you work 60 hours. That gives you 108 hours left. You've got 108 hours. If you slept 8 hours a night, which... When you have children, when you have small children, you will not sleep eight hours a night. Well, let's just say you're sleeping eight hours a night. 
108 minus 56, which is eight hours a night, that still leaves you with 52 hours. That's a lot of stuff. That's like almost another work week left of time to get the other things done. Yeah, there, there's been reports, you know, over the years that uh, adults watch more than five hours of television a day. If you watch five hours of television a day, there's not a lot of time for much else. If you just even trimmed one hour off in seven days a week, that's seven more hours you can use. But you've got to learn to manage your time well. And this is something you have to learn as an adult. This is, this is kind of funny. I found this on the internet. It's a, an adulting to-do list, okay? And uh, so here's the checklist. is showered, took vitamins, wore pants. That's important. <laughs> uh, matched my socks, got off the couch, ate vegetables. That's also important. Uh, didn't set anything on fire. Uh, not have cereal for dinner. <laughs> and then uh, down here, appointments, errands I can't ignore anymore, and then people to contact reluctantly. <laughs> and then today I adulted like a boss, a grown up, an imposter, an adolescent, or a rug rat. <laughs> okay? And then there's just the mood. You know, smiley face, frowning face, whatever. Now, now that's funny, but you've got to got to learn time management and, and to-do lists and calendars if you're not using them then uh, you, you, I mean they're really important the only way I'm able to get done all the things I'm able to get done is I, as I put it in my calendar and I hate the way my calendar looks when it's jam-packed and I'm like I would just like to be able to have some free time and I want to leave in case something more important comes up but you know what if you don't put it in your calendar and you don't plan to do it it's never going to get done so that's just part of it you create a to-do list and then you put the items into your calendar so they actually get done. Uh, next part of life management skills are my responsibilities. And uh, quickly, I just want to run through these. I talked about this a couple of years ago when I was here doing a, a large group meeting. But we've got major responsibilities. There's the king and the kingdom that God should be number one. He's our number one responsibility. Uh, being, being his follower, being active in the kingdom. He's called us to know him, to love him, to advance his mission. That needs to be our priority. Then we have our family. Um, you know, if, if right now, m most of you aren't married, but someday you'll be married. You'll have kids. Your, your kids and your wife, your husband, your spouse, they're, they're a, a high in the priority list. Uh, now, the really important thing is, my order of priorities is Jesus is more important than my wife. And because Jesus is more important than my wife, my wife has a lot of security in that. And she knows that. She's not number one. And then the next priority after my wife is my kids. And there's a lot of security in them to know I love you. I would give my life for you. But your mommy is so much more important to me than you are. And there's a lot of, of security in that as well. So, so we've got the king in the kingdom, we've got our family, we've got a fly on the, on the, the screen there. Uh, we've got work. We've got to support ourselves. Work is a good thing. God created us to work. In fact, did you know when you read, when you read Genesis and you read, you read what happened when, when uh, Adam and Eve rebelled and, and the curse was given, toil was added to the work because of curse. Work was not the curse. They, they were given work to do. That was part of God's original plan. So work is not a, is a bad thing. It's a really, really good thing. But it's not more important than Jesus. Uh, then there's our possessions, the things that we own. Uh, you guys are at a time in your life right now where uh, anybody want to admit you're driving a beater that you would like to trade up with? You know, okay, thank you. I appreciate that honesty. But you know what? You need to take care of that now because remember faithfulness and the little things. You know, maybe someday you'll have a Beamer, and, and you want to you want to you know get that track record of being of being faithful. But the possessions that we have, we've got to take care of them. That that's part of what's got to fit into our uh, our week. It's it's really important to get an oil change in your car. Okay, if you've not done that, you need to do that. And then there's options. Netflix, gaming, whatever you like to do. It's not wrong. I, I love watching movies. I love winding down, watching a, a show of, you know, of some kind. But, but what I can't do is, is I can't be watching Netflix when I should be working or when I should be with my family 
or when I should be doing something else that's kingdom related. Um, so, so there's a priority order of that. I'm giving you some verses you guys can uh, can look at on your own uh, to study this more. But there is a priority order, and if you if you get things in the right order, God will honor that. If they get out of the order, then that's where we start to get into problems in life. Uh, next thing is decision making. You, you guys are at a point in your lives where previously you may have had a lot of decisions made for you by mom and dad, by other people. You're, you're going to start, if you're not already, making more and more decisions on your own. You need to learn how to do, uh, how to make decisions. Here's a, a quote. I think this is, a, this is an excellent quote. The decisions we make today determine the stories we tell about our lives tomorrow. You hear, you, you see like the, the, you know, the crazy stories that you hear of things people did. They made a decision. Sometimes it's a good decision. Sometimes it's a bad decision. But this, this is, there, there is so much truth in that statement right there. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I actually have a, a podcast episode of a message that I did uh, on decision making. And uh, there, there's a decision train. There's a proper order and sequence to the way that we should work through a decision-making process. Uh, prayer, the Bible, counsel, circumstances, and emotions. And what we most often do is we reverse that order and that causes all kinds of problems for us. So if you're interested in that, you can check out uh, it's episode 32 on my podcast. And uh, that's all I wanna say about that. Next one is money. I'm not a financial expert, so I'm not gonna give you, uh, you know, finance advice here, but a couple of things I wanna say about that is you need to figure out how to relate to money. You, 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 I don't know what your background is. I don't know what your parents' background was. You may have learned a lot of great things. You may have had a bad example. I don't know. But for yourself, you've got to figure out how to manage finances. This is an area you can get help in. Find somebody who knows how to manage their finances and ask them. Don't get into stupid debt when you're young that you end up paying years and decades of your life to get out of it. Learn how to set a budget and stick to the budget and, and be willing to do without so that you don't get yourself in a bad situation for a long term. And one of the hardest things for us is, is, is as you make that transition, let's just say you grew up in an average middle income family, okay? You, you didn't grow up filthy rich, but just, just an average family. You are not starting where your parents are right now. You cannot have the same things that your parents have. And if you try to do that, you might get yourself into trouble. So learn everything you can learn about money. But I'm not a financial expert. That's my disclaimer for the recording. <laughs> Self-control and discipline. This is really, really important. You need to set an example with your life. The life that we live, we should be setting an example. 1 Timothy uh, 4.12, it says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. The life that we live needs to be setting an example. Uh, 1 Corinthians 8.9 talks about how we should be careful, how we exercise the rights and the privileges that we have. Guys, we have freedom in Christ, but we need to use our freedoms in a way that builds others up and doesn't cause people to stumble. And the higher you rise in leadership, whether, whether you're a, a group leader or a team leader or, or just how, whatever you are in leadership, people are going to look to you. So you need to be the pace setter and the example. And as a leader, you give up freedoms so that you don't cause someone else to stumble who maybe is dealing with something. So we, we need to have self-control. We need to have discipline. We need to use our freedoms to benefit all. And, and if it comes to like, you know what? I could go have a beer right now, but guess what? I'm not because of the position that I have. Jesus is not going to be mad at me if I have a beer, but I don't, know, don't, I don't go do that because of the role and the position that I have. But if I needed to do it, I would. So, so you, you, you set limits on your life, you set limits on your freedom, and you use self-control, and you use discipline. Uh, another one is relationships. Relationships. You pick your friends, you pick your future. That's absolutely true. I look back on my life where I am right now. Some of the friends I had 10 years, uh, 15 years, 20 years ago have a direct impact on who I am today and where I am today. If I had picked other friends, I might be somewhere else. I might not be standing here right now with you. So super, super important. Uh, when, you, when you think about the relationships, just some big categories of relationships. We have our family. 
Uh, you're going to have your family the rest of your life, whether you like it or not. Uh, whether you have a good relationship with your family or not right now. Um, you didn't get to choose your family. You have them. But you know what? God puts you in the family that you're in. And, and some of the difficult things that you may have walked through in the past, again, is part of that training program that you're in. And uh, I, as I look at my own family, I, I, I've walked through some difficulties. There's been some relational tension that I wish there wasn't there. But God has used that because I've been able to relate to and to connect with and to help people. That if I hadn't experienced that, um, I wouldn't be able to have the conversations that I'm able to have. In fact, I, in fact, I find myself having what I call our that's why moments. Where like I'll go through something hard, whether it was you know a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, even a couple of years ago. And then, lo and behold, I'll be sitting down. Usually I'm with guys. Like, I, I coach men, mentor men one-on-one. -on -one, or sometimes I'm sitting with a lady with my wife there or we're in a group setting. And as, I, as we're talking about something, then it's like the Holy Spirit says, that's why. Remember that experience you went through? You remember that? It's about this right now in this moment. And you can relate to this person in a way that you wouldn't be able to otherwise if you hadn't been through that thing that you, were, that you went through. So when you complained and whined while you're in the middle of it, it was about this moment right now. So then I want to think, well, maybe I shouldn't whine and complain about it. <laughs> so we've got our family. And as, as you become an adult... Uh, that there's, you're going to have that your relational uh, your your relational patterns are going to change. You know your, your parents may may have have had a lot of control over you. You your job for the rest of your life is to honor your mother and your father. That's what that's what's pleasing to God. Now figuring out what's honoring is where the difficult part is. You may not be able to do everything that they ask you to do, and it may be biblically correct and right for you not to do everything that they ask you to do. But, but you've got to figure out what, it, what does it look like to honor your mother and father. Honor them in a way that Jesus would be standing right there and say, yes, you were honoring. Not what the easy way was. And often it's the harder way, by the way. <laughs> but you honor them. Figure out a way to honor your mother and your father. You've got to keep up relationships with other family members. Next one is your friendships. Who, who here lives with roommates right now? Most of you, right? So your, 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 your time right now, this is, this is a great time, this is a very unique time where, where your friendships look the way that they look. We're in a season right now. Sometimes friendships last a season, sometimes they last an extended season. Here's a picture, or actually here's Proverbs. Uh, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. That's a, that's a pretty important verse that goes back to the pick your friends, pick your future. This is, uh, I don't know what birthday this was. So somewhere in high school or middle school, okay? That's me with hair, uh, and that's my friend Kyle. And uh, Kyle and I uh, became friends at the beginning of junior high. We both went to the same private Christian school uh, for elementary school, and then we both transferred at the same time to the same junior high. And it was like, we, we, you know, we're in this new school, we don't know everybody, our eyes locked across the courtyard, it was that slow motion moment, <laughs> we didn't embrace, but it was like, I know somebody, and we quickly became friends. And we were friends all through junior high, friends through high school, this is our high school graduation. When we graduated from high school, um, he was dead set on the school that he was going to go to, Biola University. I was dead set not to go to a small Christian school, and then through a series of events, I ended up going there, sort of at a last minute decision. I turned in my application as a backup, you know how you do that when you're, when you're trying to pick school, and uh, we, we, we were roommates, and we said, you know what, let's try it. We'd rather be friends than roommates, but let's give it a shot and see, and if it doesn't work out, we'll stop being roommates. Well, we found out we could live together, and we lived together all four years. This is us graduating from, from college together. Uh, I, he got taller, I didn't. So, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, well, when we graduated from college, our our, our friendship it changed. Uh, we we didn't have a falling out where where anything was bad, but just he moved to Arizona. I stayed in California for a few months. Then I moved to Texas. We've seen each other a few times. We've talked a few times. And as as great and as strong as a friendship as we had. We're just not that close anymore. A couple years ago, I was in Arizona, and I tried to connect with them and re realized after I was back that I had the wrong phone number for them, and I was kind of bummed that that didn't work out. But, uh, you know, 
But he was a really, really good friend that lasted from seventh grade through graduating college. And he's not a good friend anymore. He's not an enemy. He's not bad. That was just a season. So your friendships are going to look different over time. Uh, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I think this is a pretty. I think this is pretty accurate, you know, because it, one of what, why are your parents so concerned with your friends when you're a kid, right? They're going to be a bad influence on you. So people influence us, and unless we're intentionally influencing them for the good, there's going to be influence one way or another. So uh, it, our friendships are really, really, really important. Iron sharpens iron, as one man sharpens another. We've got to have people around us to sharpen us, to encourage us, to strengthen us. The friendships are so, so important. Dating and marriage. Who here is married? Okay. Who here wants to be married? Okay. Honestly, you can raise your hands if you want to be married. Be. Okay. I, I highly recommend it. It's a good thing. Uh, you, you, that's a relationship you're going to have to figure out. What's a God-honoring way to date this person, to figure it out? Uh, and then once you get married, how do you relate to this person? Hey, I, I heard someone once say this, this guy's is for the guys. It's like, guys, he's like, women are not just hairless men. <laughs> there, there, there's a whole lot of difference. They're, they're a different species, no offense, ladies. And, and guys, you find yourself now living with someone of this other species. So there's just a whole lot you've got to learn. You've got to have people around you to find out, is this normal? Like, when, when we have this piece of this conflict or this disagreement, is it normal? Now, quite often, it's just normal. You enter in a new phase, you need to have someone there to tell you, yeah, that's normal, that's normal. But if you start to get down a path and it's like, no, that's not normal, you need to work on it, you sure need to have someone there that can help coach you along and help you get through that so that if in the first six months of your marriage you run into something that, that could, could take you down a path you don't want to be two years later, let's get it fixed now. Well, it's a little problem, right? Because one of the big lessons for adults is if you, if you take care of a small problem now, it won't become a big problem later. And I want, I want to testify to this with, I don't know how many hundreds of dollars of dental work that I had done that I'm still in the middle of. Okay, a couple years ago, I, uh, a piece of my molar broke off, okay? And uh, it's no big deal. I'm like, it didn't hurt. So I didn't do anything about it. And I told my wife, and she's like, you need to go get that looked at. Did, did I listen? No. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it like it got infected, and it got it, it was abscessed. And uh, if, you, if you if you've never had an abscess in your teeth in your jaw, I pray to God you don't have to experience that. But I could have gotten a filling for a little bit of money and a little bit of a headache, and instead I had a root canal. And I had Jay Leno chin, uh, <laughs> and I have a very high tolerance for pain. I was in the fetal position trying to get into the dentist. Another thing I found is apparently all dentists in Fort Worth like take the week of 4th of July off. But I finally found a dentist that would, that would get in. He came in when he was off and worked on it. And uh, so now I'm in the place where I'm, I'm waiting to put the crown on. I got to drop about another $500 for the crown, and that's my portion of it not the whole bill. So, deal with little problems when they're little, <laughs> not when they come, become big, okay? That's, that's free, that's, that's extra. Um, and then a mentor or a coach, um, you know, how many of you played sports? All right, you had coaches, right? You had people to help you get from where you are to where you wanna be, to, to learn the things that came alongside you, to give you feedback, give you insight, help you. Uh, you get outside perspective. It's super important. We need to have that. There's something called uh, the Johari window. And uh, some of you may have seen this before, but if you can look at life as in these four quadrants where things that are not known to others but known to you are hidden. Okay? Like nobody knows about that tattoo you have, you know, on, a, on, on your shoulder because you never go around with your shirt off, right? That's a hidden thing. Or... Uh, <laughs> You know, known to others and known to be. Everybody knows Matt doesn't have hair. Okay. Uh, and then there's some things I don't even know about me, and you don't know about me, and those are those are just unknown things. And then there's blind spots, and this is where we get into trouble here with the blind spots. Is that if you have a blind spot, that means that somebody else knows it and you don't. And I have literally like argued with people. 
which I, right now I'm just like, I'm not going to argue anymore. But well, I just don't see it. That's the definition of a blind spot. <laughs> you will never see it. But if you don't want that booger hanging out of your nose, take care of it, you know? So there's things that may be known to other people. We need to take care of it. So this is why you need to have mentors, why you need to have coaches. They'll help you. And, and when you're young, here's the other thing is that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being young. We're all young. We just don't know as much when, you're, when we're younger. There's, there's, a, there's a whole dimension of life that you guys haven't experienced yet. You can't know it. You haven't experienced it yet. You're not there yet. But if you can have people around you to help guide you through that, to help coach you through that process, to mentor through the process, it'll be a whole lot easier than uh, stumbling around in the dark and discovering that there's a chair right there that uh, if you had just turned the lights on, you'd have seen it. You wouldn't have run into it. Uh, here's a quote. Find people who have lived your tomorrow and learn from them. You know, we, we think about mentorship in, in terms of career. You know, you do an internship or you, you get a mentor. And, and uh, But why not do that for life? And then when you're involved in church, that and that, that's just a great place to have people that can speak into your lives and in the student ministry your, your staff and your leaders here I mean they're really for you um, if they're, if they're going to tell you something even if it's something hard something you need to work on they're telling it to you because they love you because they want you to grow they don't want you to suffer the consequences that could be down the road that you just don't know that those consequences are there because you don't know like, like hopefully I saved some of you. If, if you have a little dental work that needs to be done, get a little dental work done before it becomes a lot of dental work. Uh, let's see. Qu questions here. Uh, which of these six keys do you have the best handle on today? Look back through the list and just, just see. Some of these you might say, yeah, I got it, Matt. And that's great. I hope you do. Which, which, which one of them do you have the best handle on today? Like put a circle or a star next to it. And... Uh, Make a note. How about which one is most concerning or troubling to you? As you look at those and you're like, whoa, that one, I didn't know that one was there. I don't like that. And then how about uh, which one of the keys would you like to begin to get some traction on now? Maybe there's something that you can begin to do with one of those. And the thing about your 20s, you guys don't have to get this all figured out today. Okay? This is something you need to work on. And what I, I wanted to give you this to, uh, to, to be able to see ahead of where you are right now. So don't, if you're feeling overwhelmed, that's not my job to overwhelm you. I want you to be able to see further down the road than what you could see right now. So with so much to learn in your 20s, what's the best way to do that? What's the best way to learn? Well, there's actually two paths that you can take, two ways you can go. The first one is you can try to figure it all out on your own. You know what we call that? Pinball. <laughs> you just boing, boing. <laughs> Try it, you bounce, you move around. <laughs> you can try that. A lot of people have tried that. Trial and error, that didn't work, that didn't work, that didn't work. Or you can join a training program. Now, life is a training program, but then there's additional training that you can intentionally be a part of. So as you, as you think about the future now, because we're talking about the future, uh, the 176 Network, I mentioned it earlier, our mission is to equip and resource leaders to develop and multiply life-changing churches. We primarily do that through development of training programs, through training pastors, and then cooperating on missions efforts. So we have North Star. It's happening in the room right next door when we started. So North Star is a leadership training program, training to navigate the Christian life. One, one of the saddest things, guys, like I, I, I'm, this breaks my heart, that I, I know people that I went to college with, and I know people that I've talked to or in college, and, and, and they're my age now, or older, okay, which is really old. And, uh, and the peak of their Christian life, the highest point in their Christian life was when they were in the university, when they were involved in a campus ministry. They peaked at 19 or 21 or whatever it is. Then from there, they went down because they were isolated. They didn't get any more training. They didn't really keep up with their walk with God. And they peaked then. Guys, that's sad. Don't do that. Please, 
Let, let this be the, the, the lowest level of the bottom of the foundation for you. Like when, when you know when they when they have to treat the ground and they put like lime on it or something before they even build the foundation. That's what this time is right now. It's what Paul and the and the staff here is they're trying to help give you guys the, the lowest level of the foundation that you need. And then continue to build that foundation when you're in your twenties. So North Star uh, develops leaders who take ownership for their personal growth and investment in the kingdom and view themselves as lifelong learners, aggressively seek input and direction. Didn't we talk about all these things that you need to do when you're in your 20s? Well, it's right there, ready-made for you. Uh, it's a two-year training program focused on helping people grow in their walk with God, intentionally developing their character, their knowledge, and their skill. These are all areas you need to learn in. It's all right there in North Star. And uh, hey, that looks kind of familiar, doesn't it? Uh, we took North Star. We took some mission trips together. Uh, we collaborated, cooperated, and uh, those are just a couple pictures there. And then we have the Antioch Project. This is a, a different training program that may be for some. If you're called into vocational ministry, we have a campus in Texas. We have one in Southern California. We train. Uh, we have training for men and women who believe God's calling them into full-time vocational ministry. That means that's what you're doing with your with your job, with your career. And uh, we use the integrated approach, learning and training. We've got classroom. We've got study. We've got mentoring. We've got hands-on. We've got mission trip. We've got retreats. And uh, again, here's a couple of mission trips that we took. That first one's in, in Germany, and then Spain. Uh, I guess it was in Guatemala, in the jungles of Guatemala, and then back in Germany there. And then uh, we, have, we have a campus in California and in Texas. We come together in New Mexico in May for what we call the Antioch Summit. So that was the one we just had this last year. I took a picture of everybody. We also have, through the, through the program, we have a, a special track you can get on called the Immerse Program, where you can earn fully accredited Master of Divinity degree in the five years that you're trained in Antioch. This was a picture of our, our uh, first graduation that we had back in uh, the June of this last year. So, two paths. The choice is yours. Please, whatever you do. I'm, I'm not telling you you necessarily need to do North Star, necessarily need to do Antioch, you need to do any of that. Whatever you do, though, please don't let your time in challenge be the end of your training. Continue growing, continue training, continue learning what you need to learn, and that the learning will build on each other over time. So you're at a crucial point right now. I mean, you guys have your entire lives ahead of you. May, may you make incredible impacts in this world for the kingdom, but you've got to build the foundation that you need right now to be able to build that half-mile skyscraper of your life on into the future.